Hey guys, before the episode starts, I just want to let you know that my new single is out. It's called Ghost Girl, and the cover art features my beautiful friend, Salvatore Chick. If you want to listen to it, it's out on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Deezer, Tidal, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, anywhere you can listen to music. You can go to bit.ly slash ghostgirl25, all lowercase. Again, that's bit.ly slash ghostgirl25. The link will be in the uh, show notes below, so you can click on it and boom, you're right there. I hope you guys enjoy it. And now, on with the episode! So how's Metroid Dread going? Uh, dying. Dying a lot? Eh, fair amount. But I mean, like, currently dying. Ah. See, I was trying to play a little bit of Super Metroid a while ago, but, um, it's hard. It's a hard game. Yeah, that's one of the classic Nintendo hard ones. I... I think I mentioned this before, but I I really wish I could just get into Metroid. But like, it's not that I don't like it, it's just like man, I just can't get into it, you know? I get you. I wish it wasn't like that, because I would like to play Metroid, but... Well, I mean, it's obviously one of the genre makers with Metroidvanias. Oh yeah, I like... love Metroidvanias. But the thing is, is I'm not going to say that like there's series out there that are like completely better than Metroid, but there are series that have taken the formula and I don't want to say perfected, but they've gotten to where it is like kind of doing better than the OG. Right, right. They evolved it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. What's the game you'd say and like evolved it? Okay, let's see. Uh, Guacamelee actually did a pretty good evolution of it. Never played Guacamelee. Is that good? And you call and you call yourself a wrestling and Metroidvania fan. Listen, <laughs> I am both of those things, but you also have to understand there's a shit ton of things that I just have not experienced. Well, the great thing about that one is I'm pretty sure they're still on, like, every uh, game marketplace. So you yeah, should, be able like. to, should be able to go and get those ones. I was scrolling through the Wikipedia page for Guacamelee, and I, I came upon this game that was supposed to come out God knows how long ago. Called, uh, a game called Hex Heroes. It was, it was a party game that was being developed for Windows uh, and Wii U. Huh. And it has what I'm familiar with. And it has a bunch of char- like guest characters. And uh it was successfully funded through Kickstarter. But never materialized? Absolutely not. So it was a scam. Uh the I'm reading here, the idea came out from a game jam. Developers had reached out to Nintendo through its indie self publishing program. Project was created on Kickstarter to help raise eighty thousand dollars to develop the game. The developers got in touch with Grant Kirkhope, 
after a couple of months brought him on board. He's a video game composer best known for his work on a banjo kazooie. Gotcha. Cameo characters, which the developers wanted to include, but were unable to, were Beck, Shantae, Raz, and Steve. I don't know who Beck, Raz, or Steve... Oh, Beck is from Mighty Number no. 9. Raz, I'm guessing, is... Psychonauts. The... Yeah. And then mine, and then Steve is Minecraft. Uh, on April 24th... Who, who, game... who would have guessed that fucking Minecraft would have blew up like it did? Right. On April 24th, the game was successfully funded, having reached $86,000, though it hadn't reached any of its stretch goals. December 2015, Hex Heroes was displayed at the GX3 convention and was well-received, landing Prismatic as an investor. The game was d- displayed at um 2016 GDC Play Conference, was named an honorable mention for Best in Play. As of January 6, 2018, Prismatic announced via Kickstarter that Nintendo denied access to their switch development kit the game is currently incomplete and there's no indication that it will be completed dun 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 uh here are all the characters that were supposed to be in there um alicia from heart fourth i've never heard of that zoya from familiar with either zoya from trine uh aaron and danny from game grumps including ross and his cat orf uh juan from guacamelee Max from Mutant Muds, Shovel Knight, Rusty from SteamWorld Dig, Lady Faye the Fourth from Rogue Legacy, Subject W from Paradise Lost First Contact, Cyrus from Wizorb, The Drifter from Hyperlight Drifter, Turing from Read Only Memories, and Hat Kid from A Hat in Time. So I guess just uh this game is vaporware. I feel like there's a lot of Kickstarter games that have turned into vaporware. Yeah. Just like what happens to like people just I mean, I manage there's I, I I imagine a small portion of it is people legitimately doing scams. Um and then I imagine a lot of it is money mismanagement. Honestly, I think you got it on the head there with that one, is that a lot of it is just money mismanagement. Vaporware is so interesting. There's a list of games that were notable for being in development hell. Uh I can tell you the uh, titular example. Yeah? Duke Nukem Forever. That's literally the first on the list of list of media notable for being in development hell under video games. Yeah. Jesus. I still still have my copy of it because I refuse to get rid of it because (laughs) it's gaming history. That that shit actually finally came out and when none of us ever thought it would. I will never get rid of that game on principle. It was announced in 1997 and didn't come out until 2011. Yep. Jesus Christ. The hilarious part is that there was a... uh, There were some retailers that still honored those original pre-orders. That's insane. That's really cool, though. Yeah, it's like, oh, well... Here's your pre-order from 14 years ago. The hilarious part is I was with uh, my ex at the time and she had got tickets to uh, that, like, it used to tour around. It was a orchestra that did video game music. Yeah. And at the end, they did Still Alive from Portal. Ooh. And on the line, except for those, 
uh, except for the ones who are dead and flashed up Duke Nukem Forever on the screen. Uh, that's incredible. Because, you know, at that point, it still hadn't come out, and, you know, we assumed it never would. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Duke Nukem Forever currently holds a title in the Guinness World Records for having the longest development period for a video game. The record currently stands at 14 years and 44 days. Still looking at the list of, like, vaporware games. Team Fortress 2 apparently counts. It was announced, yeah. it was announced in 99 and didn't come out until 2007. I can see that. And then the 2016 reboot of Doom was, uh, it began development as a sequel to Doom 3 in 2008. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be Doom 4, and then we got the awesomeness that, you know, we did get. Man, I need to, I need to actually finish both the Bethesda Doom games. Like, I finished the first one. I keep starting the second, and I just can't keep going, and I don't get why. They added a lot of, like, like platforming elements in Doom Eternal that yeah. I'm honestly not super big about. So, you saw Halloween 2018, right? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, you haven't? But I don't really care. I Of all the the classic, or not classic, but modern classic horror guys, Mike Myers is, like, He's the one I find least interesting. Ugh. That breaks my heart. Halloween is my favorite slasher movie. See, like, I'm not saying they're bad. It's just... He's a big, tall, scary dude. Okay? No, he is pure evil. Pure, concentrated evil. Yeah, yeah. According uh, uh, to Dr. Samuel Loomis. I was going to say, according to Malcolm McDowell and Jamie Lee Curtis. He is a true icon of evil. See, I like more... You like more lore? Well, like... So I was going to say, that. I mean, if... Yeah, if you because go... I kind of like the the zombie remake better. Because it's more than just, oh, he's evil and went bad. You know, it's no, crazy. It's sh- it shows that, like, there's a reason why he went bad. You know what's crazy, though, is um, uh, John Carpenter didn't ro- like what Rob Zombie did with Michael Myers and his version. And that's, I can understand. And that's why he's involved in the newer uh, trilogy of movies. I can understand producer. that. But, like, I always liked Jason better because there was that supernatural element of... Like, you can't stop him. Right. He's inevitable. Or like with Freddy, where everybody's got to sleep. Like, there's no getting away from Freddy. You cannot escape him. If you go from the the original continuity of Halloween, eventually you find out that Michael Myers was like part of a cult ritual or some shit. It Uh, it gets nuts. We don't talk about season of the witch oh no i wasn't even talking about that i'm talking about four or five and a uh, curse of michael myers but but isn't that based off of season of the witch no season of the witch is a completely standalone thing i could have sworn that was halloween three yeah halloween three season of the witch it's a standalone movie and like isn't he barely in that one he's not in it 
That's what I thought. I didn't. I didn't want to say he wasn't at all because I couldn't remember. But well, because the uh, way the way that Halloween was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a an anthology series. But Michael Myers got so popular. Gotcha. And they that's why Halloween. Into... Yeah, and that's why Halloween three stands out so much is because it it's toying with that. Uh, this was supposed to be an anthology. Here's the, the weird thing that we wanted to do. Yeah, you'd think they'd have done with, done that with two instead. Then I think I think the studio might have wanted like a really fast like sequel. Fair. Yeah, I'm trying and to actually, figure out. Let me see. And that's that's one of the things I like about the first Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it's not Jason. Oh yeah, it's his mom. Jason's not even the killer until the third movie. I no, he doesn't get the mask until the third movie. Yeah, I say I'm pretty sure he kills the couple in the canoe at the end of the first movie. He does. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very long time since I've watched through uh, the uh, the Friday the 13th movies. I'm talking like 10 plus years. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Jason Goes to Hell, which is the one I've probably seen only like once. Because I don't remember a lot of it. I don't think I've seen anything past Friday 4, honestly. And if I have, I do not remember it. I've seen bits and pieces of Jason X, a.k.a. Jason Goes to Space. I've seen bits and pieces of that one, too. It's so fucking goofy. Yeah. Did you see the uh, 2009 remake? Of which one? Uh, Friday the 13th. It's not bad. Don't think I have. Let me check. It's not ringing any bells, but I also don't remember a lot of movies I watched. I don't remember it doing very well. I guess it did, actually. Film would go on to gross 19, or $92.7 million at the box office, becoming the second highest grossing film in the franchise after Freddy vs. Jason. Which one is it now? Uh, Friday the 13th, 2009. Okay, no, this is the one with the one of the uh, Winchester boys. I have not seen this one. It's not horrible, but it's not one that I'd see myself going back and watching a bunch of times. No, yeah, no, I haven't seen that one. Uh, the guy who directed it also directed the um, the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, by the way, the continuity line for Texas Chainsaw Massacre is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, let's not even try and go over that one because it is so goddamn convoluted. I can. <laughs> I have it pulled up. No, you want to know a good, kind of gory, but still pretty good psychological horror movie? Absolutely. Let me know. 13 Ghosts. All right, hang on. I know you mentioned 13 Ghosts just now, but I'm looking at the Texas Chainsaw Wikipedia. Viggo Mortensen was in the 1990... Was in Texas Chainsaw 3? Yeah, isn't he a sheriff? I don't know. I'm just not learning this. Pretty sure. The only movies I've seen with Viggo Mortensen in it are, of course, Lord of the Rings and um, Hidalgo. Hidalgo is pretty good. No, he's the hitchhiker. All right, but yeah, uh, 13 Ghosts, is that on my list? It is not. I need to rate it this down. Have you not seen that one? I have not. Ooh, yeah, we got a good cast here. Uh, Matthew Lillard's in it, right? Yeah, Matthew Lillard, Shannon Elizabeth, Tony Shalhoub. Uh, Tony Shalhoub. Okay, yeah, I was just listening to the Besties podcast, and um, one of the one of the hosts on that recommended it. Yeah, no, it it's a good one. It, it's a little gory, but there's a like 
I, it's not a thriller, but I don't know how else to describe it other than psychological. Cause it has a lot of the, it plays on a lot of like psychological fears, like the characters themselves and what they go through. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to, I really don't want to go over a lot of it. So, cause like, I want you to go in not knowing anything. Got it. Let me just. Close, Although looking at, let me just close the Wikipedia page for it. <laughs> uh, looking it up, it does put it under horror slash thriller. So, let's see what Letterbox says. It actually is a remake. Tags. I'm just going to read the little blurb: a state-of-the-art remake of the classic William Castle horror film about a family that inherits a spectacular old house from an eccentric uncle. There's just one problem: the house seems to have a dangerous agenda all its own. Trapped in their new home by strangely shifting walls, the family encounters powerful and vengeful entities that threaten to annihilate anyone in their path. Okay, I want to read this really good review somebody left on Letterboxd for 13 Ghosts. Go ahead. It's a three-star review from a user named Shelby. It says, when I say I hate all men, I just want Matthew Lillard to know he's not included in that category. (laughs) That's very good. Also, the review directly above it from a single white femalian says there's a sexy titty ghost in uh, 13 ghosts. That's how you know it's good. I I wouldn't call her sexy, but to each their own. <laughs> but yeah, I'll write uh, 13 ghosts on my um, horror checklist. You're going to be very disappointed by the amount of horror movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Well, I'm. I'll go. Th- I'll go down my checklist. Oh, these are the ones you haven't seen that are on your list to see. Yeah, gotcha. Evil okay. Dead, Evil Dead Two, Hellraiser. Okay, hold on right now. Um, Evil Dead, I will give you as horror. Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness are, are splat stick. Yeah, they're not straight up comedy. There's still horror to them. And Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi have taken to calling that genre splat stick. That's very good. Because it's it, it's a lot of physical humor with the horror element. And I absolutely love splat stick movies. Bruce Campbell is one of my favorite actors. So, yeah, watch those. Hellraiser, the original, great movie. There's a remake coming out where they're actually yep. being a little a little more uh, accurate to the stories to the book or mm-hmm. the novella because they're taking help. Well, in the novella, Pinhead isn't even actually a named Cenobite. Yeah, He's, aren't they just a? Yeah, they're just unnamed. Well, not all of them. Some get named, some don't. Yeah, but. During production, the Cenobite got the nickname Pinhead and it stuck and he became like the leader. Oh, okay. To the point that Clive Barker later on in a couple other books that are set in the same universe refers to him. Uh, I don't think straight by Pinhead, but like, I think it's the Black Priest or something like that. I do just want to mention, because you brought up a splat stick, um, you know how... That's how Peter Jackson got his start. The man who directed mo- Lord of the Rings got his start doing splat stick movies. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're real fucked up, my guy. 
when we're talking horror movies, there is a very big definition for fucked up. Are we talking like American fucked up or European and Asia fucked up? Um, I'm talking just like incredibly gory fucked up. Okay, American fucked up. Because European and Asian fucked up includes a Serbian film, oh. and we won't talk about a Serbian film. Yeah, for I'm I'm I've heard too much about that movie. I do not plan on watching it. I have never watched it. I've heard enough. And I <laughs> anybody that is listening that wants to know about it, go look it up on your own. I ain't talking about it. Shit's that bad. But yeah, um Peter Jackson's first movie is called Bad Taste. And it's about aliens that come to Earth with the intention of turning humans into food. Nice corny pun name. Um, then he did one called Meet the Feebles, otherwise known as Frogs of War. That one sounds vaguely familiar. Actually, I, I don't know if this one's a, a splatter movie. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. There's a scene where someone goes on a shooting spree with an M60. <laughs> Um, but uh, oh, it features okay. yeah, I Muppet, know one that... like Muppets. Yeah, so. it's one I know by reputation. I haven't actually seen it myself, <laughs> but it is on my list to watch. Um, and then there's a uh, Brain Dead, probably the most the one that people know the most. It's a zombie comedy, a zomcom. Yeah, a romcom zomcom. Actually, I got to put Brain Dead on my list. Because I am actually, I actually do want. No, not Brian dead. Brain dead. (laughs) (laughs) Brian dead, where a bunch of dead Brians come after you. Okay, so back to my checklist. Um, After Hellraiser, I have written down the um, the 1979 Amityville Horror. (sighs) Either that or the remake. They're, I mean, the problem with Amityville. I thought that was a sigh of disappointment. The problem I have with Amityville is how for how long people claimed it was real. Oh, that's a discussion that's neither here nor there. And how it played itself up on the, oh, this really happened. And like they had so many people paid off to keep the story going. And yeah, it's uh. as a as a movie itself, it's it's all right. I just have issues with it because of all that hype around it. Um, after that, I have a 1960 Psycho. Yeah, that's a good one. And the uh, remake with, I think it's Vince Vaughn? I, I, I think you're right. The 1998, yeah, Vince Vaughn. Hey, Viggo yeah. Mortensen is also in that. Um, The crazy thing about the remake is that's literally shot for shot. Oh, shit. Like, there's there's no variance. It is literally the same exact shots, same exact everything, just new actors. So with that, it's really, do you want to watch the original actors or do you want to watch faces you're going to know? And, but it's otherwise the same movie. So it's still pretty good either way. You know, I'll put down plus remake here. The next movie, I don't know where you would place it in genre because David Lynch is weird. Just generally. Oh but it is Eraserhead. Mmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that. Hmm. It's my friend Levi's favorite movie of all time. Yeah, they just keep it under horror indie. 
Yeah, Wikipedia says experimental body horror. I have issues when it comes to some body horror, and that's why I don't. I've oh, never that is completely fair. Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's just I can't finish it. Like I get real like like done in the way it's done. It gets to me, but like I can watch the thing with no issue. So go figure. Hey, right, so after Eraserhead, we got. The Exorcist. Because the Exorcist. I haven't seen The Exorcist. I'm gonna read the book too. I, I got the book on Kindle Unlimited. Honestly, I would tell you to just read the book because unless you're severely religious, a not. lot of its a lot of its impact isn't gonna hit you. It's a very much a product of its time. It is a good movie. It is a good horror movie when you look at it objectively. But it also very much played up on religious fears at the time. Right. Yeah, I get that. And due to the, you know, not as big of, you know, religious fervor in society anymore, it, it doesn't have the same impact. I still put it in the worth watching column. It's just <clears throat> like, I know you've probably heard it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Go in knowing that it is. It's from a certain perspective that isn't so much there anymore. Gotcha. Uh, Next up, I have uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. More disturbing than scary. From the clips that I've seen, because my uncle frequently watches it. um, From the clips that I've seen, yes. One of the best things with the original Texas Chainsaw is I don't think you actually ever see anybody die on screen. Really? If I'm remembering correctly, you only ever see Leatherface, like, grab them, pull them behind a door, then you hear everything. Mmm. So your brain fills in, and that's why it's so good, is because you're scaring yourself, not somebody else's version of scary. Right, right. And then after that, I have Carrie. Good one. Um, big Stephen King fan. Same. Um, remind me to circle back to Stephen King because I started reading eleven twenty two sixty three. Fantastic so far. I did have Halloween twenty eighteen written down on here, but I crossed it out because I watched it last night. Great movie. I thought it was good. Jamie Lee Curtis is a badass. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. It's Jamie Lee fucking Curtis. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then immediately after it. Halloween Kills, which I'll get to because it just came out, and it's right. streaming on Peacock, which is interesting. Um, it's Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. That's the newer It movies. I was going to say, old or new? I've seen the old one. I don't very much care for it. I don't know what I thought was so scary about it, because it's not scary. <laughs> I will not stand for this Tim Curry slander. Hey, Tim Curry is great. It's not a scary movie. <laughs> Or miniseries, no. rather. Fuck you. If I'm walking in the sewers and I hear Tim Curry's voice saying that kind of shit echoing around, I am shitting my pants. Hey, Georgie. His his voice is half of why that movie's scary. And the fact he's a goddamn method actor. Tim Curry's just great. <laughs> like, I want you to realize that there are stories of him walking around set like that. Oh, I believe it. I have not seen the remakes. From what I hear, they're terrifying. I've heard they're supposed to be pretty good modernizations. I just haven't seen them yet. 
Um, the wife has. She liked them. So. Another movie I had on here, but I crossed it out because I watched it a while ago, is um, a movie called Ghost Watch. Um, if you're unfamiliar, it uh, for Halloween 1992, the BBC decided to broadcast a paranormal investigation hosted by a British uh, TV talk show legend as they try to uncover, quote-unquote, the truth behind the most haunted house in Britain. And the thing was... Um, they did air this live and they made it seem like a live like telethon broadcast. Yeah, I'm reading on it. It's actually a mockumentary. Yeah, but the thing is people were so freaked out they were calling in complaints to BBC and I think unfortunately someone actually did commit suicide because of the movie because it scared them so much. Yeah, I said this has never been repeated on UK television. Controversy. Although it was aired under the Screen One drama banner, its documentary style led many viewers to believe the events were real, causing much controversy after the show's airing. The BBC was besieged with 30,000 phone calls. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, 18-year-old factory worker Martin Denham, who suffered from learning difficulties and had a mental age of 13, died by suicide five days after the program aired. The family home had suffered with a faulty central heating system, which caused the pipes to knock, which uh, the ghost in the movie is called Pipes, and that's what he does to scare people is bang on the pipes of houses. Yeah. So, um, wow. Yeah. And then, so basically, um, it, it took the stories about War of the Worlds and actually did it. And then it, it did cause uh, a couple of cases of PTSD and uh, some some younger younger children yeah it says some of the scenes actually got quite graphic so yeah the whole thing ends with the tv host getting possessed by the ghost pipes and then like delivering this chilling just final monologue i may have to add that one to my uh oh it's pretty good it's really good um the only issue i had with it is that it's a slow burn yeah understandably based on the style like reading about it i can see why it would be and like i i I guess maybe being you know 20 years removed from the movie's original release i didn't think it was that scary yeah that's another thing like in the case of the exorcist a lot of these do have some product of the times yeah but uh i mean i still gave it four and a half out of five stars on letterboxd so right um after Ghostwatch, I have 1981's Possession. Don't think I've seen that one. It's not ringing any bells. I tend to go a lot more the B route when it comes to horror movies. Mm. From what I hear, Possession is absolutely terrifying. Like? And it's like top of most people's like favorite horror movies of all time. Like, I'm more like a uh, puppet master, uh, phantasm, uh, fucking killer clowns from outer space, like, bad cheesy horror <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. um after that i have in the mouth of madness oh the uh the lovecraft story yeah there's a oh, whole like who- unofficial trilogy john carpenter did yeah that i think starts with the thing and then it has at the mouth of madness and then one other movie didn't he pull some of the assets from the mouth of madness for a different movie too i don't know could have sworn that he did. I guess it's technically... Oh, yeah. I don't know why I said at the mouth of madness. It's in. Not that it really matters. 
No, I remember it wasn't Carpenter. It was uh, Burton. He actually took some of the penguin props. Oh, really? For from In the Mouth of Madness for Batman Returns. Huh, that's interesting. I'm almost positive. Okay, yeah. Um, In the Mouth of Madness is part of Carpenter's uh, Apocalypse trilogy. Which it, which um, it's the thing in the mouth of madness and Prince of Darkness, which I just added to the list. Um, after that, I have as above, so below. A lot of my friends have been watching that, um, recently, and they say it's very good. And I like a good claustrophobic horror movie. Uh, oh, and it's found footage, so that should be fun. Uh, nope, no thanks. Oh, you don't like found footage movies? I can't stand found footage movies. I find them dumb as shit. Damn. Like, I think it's because most of them just. Yeah, there's a lot. Found footage is a it's a great genre, but unfortunately, it did get plagued with a ton of. Let's just shit this out, <laughs> because it's easy like, to make. Like Blair Witch is dumb as shit to me. You know, I will concede on that point. I did not like Blair Witch Project. Uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield is also very dumb. The original Paranormal Activity is the only found footage movie I like. It's very good. Its sequels, I, I don't like. The original, I'm good. The original had me fucking awake the rest of the goddamn night. Oh, same, dude. Like, that one, that original was very well done. And that ending fucking got me. But after that, I don't know if it's just because. Well, they made like one a year after that. Yeah, I think it had to be because how quick they pushed them out. And it's like. You get burned you out took, very fast. You you took the charm and just drove it into the ground. Yeah, I think they're actually bringing it back soon. It wouldn't surprise me. Um. Oh, yeah, it's called Next of Kin. Is that the next one? Yeah. Premise, the film follows a young woman trying to discover what happened to her, with her mother who disappeared years ago until she discovers the terrifying truth about her mother's past. If, it's, if it sounds good, I might, I, if like people like it, I might, uh, might watch it. Oh, it comes out in like a couple of weeks. Oh, there you go. On Paramount Plus. And I think the- theaters? Nope. Movie will be released exclusively on Paramount Plus. All right. So, after As Above, So Below, I have Trick or Treat. That definitely sounds like a B1. Um, I know my uncle likes it very much. It's about that little kid that has, like, the bag over his head that kills people. That... That's not ringing bells. Oh, it's an anthology horror comedy. Yeah. Um, it relates four Halloween horror stories with a common element in them. Sam, a mysterious child trick-or-treater... Wearing shabby orange footy pajamas and a burlap sack over his head. Oh, does he from not? 2007? Yeah. That's yeah, on Hulu. Does he actually and kill HBO Max. I don't know if he kills anyone. Anna Panquin, Dylan Baker, Brian Cox. Eh, it's got a decent cast. You said it was on Hulu and HBO? Yeah. Cool. I have both of those. Like I did the quick Google search in uh, it, available platforms. 
You know, that's one thing I like about Letterboxd is that they tell you where mov- where you can watch movies. Yeah. Um, After Trick or Treat, I have scary stories to tell in the dark because I loved those books as a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. Loved the books. Um, Then I added 13 Ghosts, Brain Dead, and Prince of Darkness as we're recording. Alright. And that's my list so far. Of shit to watch this year, or at least sometime soon. Oh, I also have a movie on here, Blue Velvet. It's not a horror movie, but it's another David Lynch weirdness. Yeah. (laughs) Neo-noir mystery thriller is what Wikipedia says. That blends psychological horror with film noir. Which does sound like a very David Lynch thing to do. Oh my god. What's up? Tell me you've heard of Manos, The Hands of Fate. Oh, yeah. I watched that, like, a long time ago. 2018. Wait. Manos Returns. What? Four friends get lost on a road trip and stumble on a hidden cult led by the sinister master and his servant. You're fucking kidding me. I am not kidding you. I just put in horror movie on Google, and it's... In the top picks for me because of how much I love bad shit. Oh my god. It is a real goddamn thing and I don't know how to feel about that. It was kickstarted. It's gotta be by a bunch of fucking MST3K fans. It has to be. Nobody else gives a shit about that movie. D- there, nobody in the credits has a clickable link on Wikipedia. Like It had to have been a bunch of Misties. That like they got just the, they got the dude who played the master to reprise his role. That's amazing. Oh, they got they got th- three people to reprise their roles from the original movie. Tell me one of them's Torgo. Tell me one of them is Torgo. Uh, the film stars Naaman Jones reprising a role as Debbie, her father Tom Naaman reprising his role as the master, and Diane Marie reprising a role as Margaret. Nah. Damn. Wow. I can't believe this is actually a thing. It does say that it's a tongue-in-cheek sort of movie. Which means it was oh. like it was made to be like kind of shitty. Yeah, it's a comedy horror, but like it I have to see this on principle. So do I. <laughs> I have to just on goddamn principle. Just like that is Oh, it's a tight 67 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not a long watch either. I mean, the original was only 70 minutes, so. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, God. There it is. I can. Oh, I can rent it for a dollar. Like, I am so goddamn tickled by this. This is great. Like, for anybody that has never heard of Manos, the Hands of Fate, it is widely considered to be the worst movie ever made. Yep. It, the production is shit. The camera is shit. They lost the audio track and had to redub the entire thing with three goddamn people. I forgot about that. Oh my god! Like it is such a case of talking because it's two guys and one woman. If you're going to watch it, I almost have to advocate watching the MST3K episode. Because you are not going to make it through it is that bad without it. Wait, wait, there's a movie that came out between the original and Manos Returns. It's called Manos The Rise of Torgo. 
doesn't have a Wikipedia link, but it just says um, it was released on Amazon Prime streaming in 2018. Manos, The Rise of Torgo. Here we go. IMDb. It is a comedy horror done as a prequel. Yeah. I'm almost confident in saying that it had a lower budget than the original, and <laughs> that is a goddamn claim. Because I believe the original for when it was made was only like 26 grand. This is fucking nuts, dude. Thank you for telling me that this exists. I'm glad I found out it exists. No, $19,000.66 was its budget. Yeah, I'm putting Manos Returns on my watch list. I do have to rewatch the first one, but I mean, I'm fine with doing that. Yeah, if anyone doubts anything, this is like basically like the horror movie version of like The Room. There's also from 2010, Manos, The Search for Valley Lodge, which I don't think ever got off the ground. He began uh, in 2010, writer-director Rupert, Rupert Talbot Munch Sr. began work on Manos, The Search for Valley Lodge. Yep. Tom Neyman, uh in a cameo uh, reprising of his role as the master. His daughter, Jackie Naaman Jones, reprising Debbie, and Diane Mary, uh, reprising Margaret, uh, and Bernie Rosenbaum, who played the teenage boy in the original film get in during the two makeout scenes. Gene Snitsky and Maria Kanellis are supposed to be in it. Along with UFC fighter Ryan Big Deal Jimmo. What the fuck? But yeah, by the end of 2014, project was scrapped. But Gene Snitsky and Maria Kanellis? I almost wish that would have been made, because, like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, like, there's something about bad movies, but then there's bad movies with wrestlers in them. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. That's insane. Which, if we want to bring up bad movies with wrestlers, we kind of have to talk about Roddy. Oh, and oh, fuck, what movie was he? I can't. I can't ever remember. The two that immediately come to mind are They Live and Hell Comes to Frogtown. They Live, that's the one. No, I would not not call They Live bad, just heavy-handed. Right, because that's the one where he puts on the glasses and sees all the aliens controlling shit, right? And all the consume, buy, it's like, oh, uh, oh, well. This is not, this this is definitely not about capitalism. Wasn't this, uh... Prescient, or whatever the fucking word is. Prescient? Yeah, because, like, gee, this isn't fucking modern times. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a... It's like, oh, you want a movie about capitalism? Bah! And the thing is, that movie is why we have the line, I'm here to do two things, kick ass and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And I'm all out of ass to chew. <laughs> I'm here to kick gum and chew ass, and I'm all out of ass. <laughs> uh, you sure you got that one right? Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know what I need to see because it's also it's um a bad movie with a wrestler in it. I want to see See No Evil. That one actually isn't that bad. Like it's not great, but it's not egregiously bad either. I put it in a solidly decent. Yeah, uh, you know another movie that I would put as solidly decent with a with a name you might—they're not a wrestler, but they are a heavy metal singer. Trying to think, 
what singers do I know that do movies? I think this is his only movie. That where he had like an actual like named role. What movie? Uh it's called Fear Clinic and um Corey Taylor is in it. Huh. I was getting, my first initial thought is it's either Corey Taylor or Scott Ian and I just couldn't Um the movie stars uh Robert England as the uh the the main the main baddie. Huh. It's an interesting duo. Not a bad movie. Well, I wouldn't expect it to be. You have Robert England and Corey Taylor, who's a massive horror fan himself. I mean, people didn't like it very much, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, no, with those two, I'd expect it to be at least okay. Uh, let me look up Fear Clinic on a letterbox or something so I can give you like the plot summary of Wikipedia. It does not do good at concise summaries. Um. Five young adults travel to a special clinic run by the infamous Dr. Andover to treat their phobias. One by one, their worst fears begin to manifest themselves and intrude into each patient's reality. I think I may have seen the... It was, it was a web series before it was uh, turned into a movie. I think I may have seen the trailer for this, because it looks vaguely familiar. It looks like you could watch it on um, Amazon Prime Video. You can also get on YouTube and Google Play Movies for two bucks. It's free on Voodoo. Oh, yeah. There it is. I skipped over that. Okay, here's a question. Uh, the original Gremlins. Yes. Do we count that as horror or Christmas movie? Oh, you can't do this to me. <laughs> uh, this is just like, oh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. There's no argument there. then i guess gremlins is a christmas movie but is it also a horror movie (sighs) it's a horror comedy i'm sorry i love gremlins it's how can you not love gremlins oh no gremlins is great and and the (coughs) the two (coughs) lesser known ripoffs critters and ghoulies I really love that under the cameo section and under cast, it says Steven Spielberg as man riding recumbent bike. (laughs) That's just a great role name, man, to be a man riding a recumbent bike. (laughs) That's the dream. Yeah, I just I love me some good schlock in my horror. Yeah, horror has to have a like if I'm in the it depends if I'm in the mood for like a nutso horror movie, like something that's like something that I would consider high art horror. Um, maybe not so much schlock, like really suck me in. But uh, if it if I'm just looking to have a good time, I need that schlock. Have you seen the original Candyman? I have not. So I've seen it a handful of times, but it's been years since the last time I watched it. So I'm kind of intrigued to watch the uh, the new one. Yeah. Because it's, it's supposed to ignore the second one on and like do an alternate. I don't know if it's even supposed to be an alternate timeline or if it's just going like the other ones didn't happen. I think it's supposed to be like that one. Where it's just a, a new sequel. Yeah. Uh, that's Jordan Peele wrote that, didn't he? I believe so, yes. Yeah, this uh, screen... Screenplay by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfield, and Nia DaCosta. 
Okay. I haven't seen any of Jordan Peele's other horror movies. What other good, bad horror movies are out there? All right, I googled good, bad horror movies, and it took me to Screen Rant. And, um... <laughs> Sorry, I don't understand. Shut but the... I found f- something related. Do you want to know whether horror movies can affect your behavior? No, shut up. No, we know they can't. We're not Tom Hanks. <laughs> um... Uh, number 10 on Screen Rant says Jason X. Uh, number 9 is Doom from 2005. Oh, the one with The Rock? Yep. Yeah, that's... <laughs> uh, the um, Babysitter from 2017. Uh, Polaroid from 2019. Tremors Shrieker Island from 2020. Oh, uh, any of the Tremors are good schlocky movies. This one is interesting because I've heard so many polarizing thoughts about it there's someone i respect they're the host they're one of the hosts of the podcast uh late night with brian wecht layton who's been a horror fan all her life says unfriended is good actually unfriended i have not seen it it's a found footage of like a skype call sort of deal oh uh, okay i know it when you're talking about yeah i had no interest in seeing that one uh, Screen Rant has it on their number five here. Number four, Leprechaun. I like me some Leprechaun. Lepre- it's, Leprechaun's just goofy enough. Especially the one where he raps. What was that, like Leprechaun 3 or some shit? It's it's up there. Oh, okay. Oh, if it's actually called about, Leprechaun in the Hood. If we're going to talk about bad horror movies, and we've already brought up Stephen King, you know what one I'm talking about. Maximum Overdrive? Uh-huh. The one he made Fuck. on a Coke bender? Coke and alcohol bender that he does not remember writing or making. That makes sense. But, God, like, I love me some bad horror, but even that one's pushing it. <laughs> right, right. Though, like, one of our friends says, it is good simply for the fact that we get to hear Lisa Simpson curse. Yes. Because Yeardley Smith is in it. I know I said I wanted to circle back to Stephen King at some point, but I do kind of want to end the episode here and go play Dead by Daylight with some friends. I mean, we can end it going over Stephen King. like. Yeah, good point. So, what was your first Stephen King book, if you even remember? Oh, first book? Yeah. Oh, shit. Actually, it's one most people probably hasn't haven't heard of. Eyes of the Dragon. Fuck, Eyes of the Dragon is so good. That most movie's people, so good. Most people don't know that uh, that's a book of his. And a, yes... Because it's a straight-up fantasy novel. But it does connect to the Dark Tower. Yes, it does. It sure fucking does, buddy. Because everything he does re- fucking relates... Or almost everything he does. Yeah, because... uh. The villain of Eyes of the Dragon is Randall Flagg. Okay, yeah. Let, uh, let's just go filmography here real quick, because well, he's got a big one. I was going to mention that my first Stephen King book was Cell. Now, have you read Cell? Don't think I have. Basically, a um, a weird signals broadcast over the global cell phone network and turns the majority of people into... More or less zombies. Gotcha. 
But yeah, it, so was, yeah. it was a good book. It was a good book. Highly recommend. Now, obviously, there's the ones everybody's going to know movie-wise. Carrie, The Shining, Langoliers, Pet Cemetery. The Langoliers is so funny. Oh, I do want to mention... Um, Fuck, the one with the vampire. Uh, Salem's Lot? Thank you. Could not remember for the life of me the name of it. I, I do just want to mention that the, uh, the people that were not affected by the mysterious cell phone pulse are in the novel called The Normies. <laughs> <laughs> very funny yeah Salem's Lot is fucking great Thinner was also him yep uh, Storm of the Century even though that's not so much a horror you know I haven't actually watched a lot of Stephen King movies you know what movie fucks me up though The Green Mile Pet Cemetery. yeah that that movie and that book fucking keep me up at night um but yes the green mile is very very good you know i would technically count that as horror um another one people don't know is him shawshank i i i think that's more known nowadays than well yeah now but like at the time most people did not know that king wrote shawshank redemption or that it was that it was a uh, a novella that got turned into a very long ass movie <laughs> about his friend Andy Dufresne it's a fucking great movie <laughs> yeah yeah books let's see hmm Carrie Salem's Lot The Shining The Stand The Long Walk Dead Zone Firestarter if you're gonna watch if you're gonna read The Stand I recommend reading the uh, uncut, unedited version that came out in 1990. It's a fucking massive book, but goddamn, is it worth it? Yeah, the original stand actually, I think, had like 300 pages cut from it. Yeah, I'm looking at which is why I recommend which is why I recommend reading the uncut version. The original uh, page count was 823. The uncut is 1153. Yep. There's 330 extra fucking pages. There's a whole nother book. Basically, basically. yeah. Underrated book and movie, for that matter, The Dark Half. The Dark Half is about um, about an author who had a parasitic twin cut out of his brain when he was born. And then this, uh, when he starts writing books, he writes under the pen name George Stark and is like, his weird parasitic brain kind of like becomes its own person. It was very weird. Obviously, we got to mention Cujo. Cujo's great. That book. That's another book that kind of fucked me up for a bit, honestly. Because of how like just down to earth and real it is. Yeah, dude. Cujo is terrifying. Yeah, but like there's nothing really supernatural about it. Like most of his shit. I know. It's just a dog with rabies. It's just. Yeah, it. It's scary because of how plausible it is. Also, just the the woman being trapped in the car with her son and he's fucking dehydrating. Yeah. Uh, Running Man. I haven't read that one. I saw the movie many times and I don't like the movie. (laughs) So if we want to get real technical, technically that was under Bachman and not King, but whatever. The two Richard Bachman books I've read are Thinner and The Long Walk. 
The Long Walk Chris- is real good. Christine. I have that one, but I haven't read it. Obviously, the whole Dark Tower series, but those are less horror. Yeah, that's more of like a weird, like interconnected fantasy. One of my absolute favorites, Misery. Misery rules. Oh my god! It oh that movie is great. Kathy Bates. Yes, she is so good in that role. Perfect for it. That yeah, mo- I will. I will. If I see that one on, I will sit down and watch it from wherever it's on from. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a movie that the the movie in the book made me realize like if I ever become a famous author, this might be something I have to deal with. <laughs> even on the like the lowest like probability it could still happen have you read gerald's game no i have not read gerald's game Uh, so it's about a woman and her husband they um they turn in for a night of uh some experimentation if you catch my drift and then the husband has you know (laughs) and then the husband has a fucking heart attack and dies while she's handcuffed to the bed Oh, so she can't fucking get out. And at one point, this creepy dude like breaks into their house and just starts watching her. It's fucked. It's really good, though. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, Desperation is very good. Uh, Duma Key is actually pretty good, too. I haven't read Duma Key. I read Dreamcatcher. I actually don't like that one as much. I haven't read it, but I've watched it and I like the movie. Um, uh, Lisey's story is really good. It's about a woman coping with the death of her author, uh, husband, and she discovers some shit. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, I started you, reading Under the Dome. I got have you real deep into it, but then it's it's a fucking massive book. Have you read uh the the Shining sequel? Doctor Sleep. I started reading some of it and then I stopped about two hundred pages in. Because I haven't read that one because I, I haven't heard much about it. It's it's good from all that I've heard. Um, I did read Revival. Revival's very Revival has a heavy Lovecraftian vibe towards the end of it. Very good. And actually, I think Revival is honestly the most recent King book I've read. I need. I there's a lot of king i need to catch up on yeah i haven't read a lot of his newer stuff you know it makes me upset that nobody really talks about like his short story collections and not that his short stories are that unknown a lot of them got made into movies and tv shows and whatnot but but you're talking like uh like like Silver Bullet from a Bu- from a Buick Eight. Well, Silver the, Bullet the was actually a was actually like um, and from a Buick Eight. Those are both uh, those are both books. I thought like those were collections. Books. I thought those were collections. Actually, technically, Silver Bullet was a novella under the name Cycle of the Werewolf. Gotcha. And no, from a Buick Eight is a straight up uh book. But I'm talking about like um night shift, everything's eventual. Gotcha. Okay, I know what you're Full talking dark, about. Full dark, no stars. Nightmares and dreamscapes, hearts in Atlantis, yeah. those kind of ones. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, the bizarre bad dreams is really good. I need to find my copy of that. 
And uh, apparently he released a new one last year that I have not read. It's called uh, If It Bleeds. Oh, okay. Those are That's a collection of previously unpublished novellas. Okay, that is revisionist history, you dirty fucks. What is? On Wikipedia, they have Maximum Overdrive as a comedy horror, and fuck you, he did that as a straight-up horror. It was just that bad. <laughs> it's retrospective comedy. Yeah, okay. But yeah, like, um, sorry if you hear hammering in the background. My uncle's putting up a shelf, I think. Just randomly. Um, but yeah, like, uh... Like, Children of the Corn is a short story. Oh, but that's a good series of movies. I didn't really like the first movie that much. The little kid is creepy, dude. Come on. Oh, yeah, he is, but I don't really like the movie. Also, Maximum Overdrive is based on the short story simply called Trucks. I uh, just saw that on the Wikipedia page for Night Shift, which is his uh, first short story collection. Right. Um, Rose Red. I've. I feel the miniseries of that one was pretty damn good. I've not read or seen it. I haven't read it, but I watched the miniseries and I thought it was pretty well done. Did you know Cell got a movie? Yeah, but I haven't seen it. And from what I heard, it, I know that one was in development hell for a long time. I mean, it's the sec. It weirdly is the second uh, Stephen King adaptation the co-star John Cusack and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, the first one is a uh, fourteen oh eight. That was a good one too. Fourteen oh eight is great. <laughs> That's around that same time he started doing a lot of the weird, like past coming up through to the present shit. Like with uh, oh, it's the one that the sci-fi series that Edge was in was based on uh, Castle Rock. Oh yeah, Castle Rock was just like a. Wasn't that like his anthology TV show? And uh, the Colorado Kid and all that. Like it had a lot of shit where it was plat- the past bleeding through to the p- present kind of shit. Because that, that's what 1408 was. He was stuck in, that, stuck in that room and he had so much of the shit that happened in that room in the past bleeding through that he had to go through. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And I'm fairly sure that Apparently this year, uh, how did you pronounce it again? Lysi or Lysi's? I believe it is Lysi. It got a miniseries on Apple TV on June 4th. Yeah. And from what, from what I've uh, seen, people seem to like it. I do not have Apple TV, so I unfortunately cannot watch it. Yeah, neither do I. And, and I can't stand Apple. Oh, Stephen King wrote all of the episodes. That makes sense. Yeah, it's based off of his Yeah, novel. but he doesn't write all of his adaptations. Most of them he actually is involved in to a major degree. Yeah, but not as usually not as a writer. Okay, fair. But yeah, um I w- you could probably get uh, a fucking free trial of Apple TV, right? Probably. Yeah, it's a 7-day free trial, so maybe I'll just get that to watch Lisey's story and then bail. I'm kind of that book is wait, really fucking good. I'm kind of waiting to do this same thing for uh, the Wheel of Time series that Amazon Prime's doing. Oh yeah, I've not read the Wheel of Time books. I need to. I've read the entire series and I love it. But I know Jake I has. Jake has read the books, and I refuse to give Amazon any more money. So it makes sense. 
I'll free I'll free trial that shit later on. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Yeah, it's probably a good place to stop. Yeah. Fuck Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Fuck Jeff Bezos. Even though I do pay you thirteen dollars a month for fast delivery. Yeah, you can fuck off. Hey, no ethical consumption under capitalism. Anyway. Just next time we go up to space, stay there. Yes. Without a suit. Thank you guys so very much for listening to this episode. Um, the reason why we didn't After Dark this session is because um, Josh just had surgery and is in a lot of pain. So couldn't do a, like, we couldn't do a full game tonight. So, yeah. Just thought I'd say that. Anyway. As you can tell by nobody else jumping in, it was pretty much just the two of us. Today. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at AmbiguousPod. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash AmbiguousPod. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, More Ambiguity Podcast. Um, everything's in the link tree. That's uh, linktr.ee slash Ambiguity. So... And uh, tell your friends if they like D&D and just shitting, farting around, talking about stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Later.